That passage again is Mark 5, 35 through 43, for those who wish to follow along, I hope you do. Uh, Brooke read that out of the New International Revised, or not Revised, New International Reader's Version, um, the young person's uh, Bible that we have in the pew in a lot of places. Um, but, um, uh, you know, it's also, of course, in the New International Version, and um, I invite you to, to turn to that and, and follow along as we go. Beloved in Christ, there are all kinds of uh, fears out there, all kinds of phobias. One uh, list I saw last week included social anxiety or social phobia, which includes a myriad of fears, fears like uh, public speaking, like uh, going to parties, chatting casually in a group of people. About 12% of people in the United States suffer from some sort of social phobia like that, but they usually don't seek any sort of therapy for it because doing so would require more social contact, and they don't want that, that's for sure. So they usually you know, just keep their heads down and their human contact minimal. There are other fears, of course, the usual ones you hear about, fear of snakes, bugs, and spiders, fear of heights, fear of close confined spaces, claustrophobia. Some people have a fear of flying, fear of the dark, fear of getting sick or catching a disease. Some people have a fear of blood. They do not want to see blood, even their own blood. Seeing injuries is, well, that's just fine, no big deal, so long as the injury isn't giving off blood. And then there's the fear of death. Death and dying. That's a big one, isn't it? And that's the one we're up to in our Lenten series. We're trying to find freedom from fear, and this is the big one, right? The fear of death, the one that the Bible calls an enemy, a bitter enemy. So we have a passage in God's Word here that Brooke read, a passage in which Jesus, God's own Son, confronts one of our greatest fears, death or dying. Those two often go together, don't they? Everyone eventually learns when they're old enough, sometimes earlier than that, that death is relentlessly coming towards us, that no one lives forever. We are mortal. We are not immortal. Finite, not infinite. Perishable, not imperishable. I had a friend who died of cancer in his mid-30s, and he admitted that initially he had the fear of dying and death, and his death came closer, though, as it did, his fear of death became less. But he wrote this, dying, well, dying is another thing, another matter entirely. How long it will take, how it may go, dying, that still scares me. And so as we think about this fear of death today, that great fear, we're also thinking, of course, about dying. Perhaps the fear of dying is more a fear of the one who is on the journey toward death, and the fear of death itself is more a fear of those who will be left behind when someone they love dies, their loved ones, their spouse, their parents, their children, their friends. How are the bereaved going to deal with the one they love's death? Death and dying, they are a fearsome duo for anyone who gets close to them 
or is going through them. And that was Jairus in this story. That was his daughter, too, in this story. Jairus had come to Jesus, as I said a little bit earlier, before the time, the context when Brooke read, and his fear for his daughter's life. She was dying. She was going to die. Jairus was at the end of his rope. He was desperate to help his daughter. Nothing else had helped her. His fear was a desperate fear. But if anyone could pull strings, fix things, solve problems, figure things out, call in the big guns, it was Jairus. He was a leader in the synagogue. Chapter 5, verse 22 tells us, a leader in the synagogue where the Jewish people worshipped and where they learned and memorized and recited their Old Testaments. He was a leader there, a leading Jew of the day. And the Jewish religious leaders Well, they weren't all that open to Jesus coming in with his teachings about himself and upstaging them, which is what Jesus did on a number of occasions. They didn't take too kindly to this man who claimed to be so much more than they knew he could be. That's what they thought. But Jairus' daughter is dying, and Jairus has been unable to help her along with the medical community, also unable to give any help for this little one. So Jairus, finally, as a last resort, in desperation, that's what drove Jairus to go to Jesus. Desperation. Jairus, this man of prestige, wealth, and prominence in the Jewish community, will try anything. This is his daughter. The joy of his life is dying. And a father's love, when it becomes desperate, knows no bounds. So what does Jairus do? He falls at Jesus' feet. He's desperate and pleads earnestly with Jesus. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. The man is desperate. He cries out to Jesus, a tiny, last, desperate act of faith. And Jesus, without a word, went with him. Imagine Jairus. Imagine his hope rising for a moment. Off they go. Perhaps this will work. Perhaps Jesus can fix this. But then we read this. A large crowd followed, so far so good, and pressed around him. And that isn't good. Like an ambulance trying to get through traffic in a big city, gridlock. They're going nowhere fast. Blare the sirens, flash the lights, nothing works, and Jairus's hope must have started to dwindle away as the crowd pressed. But here is another girl, a woman in fact, and she too is desperate. And she is nothing like Jairus' daughter. This woman is poor. She is outcast. She is alone. Jairus' daughter is rich and accepted and part of a loving family. And yet Jesus takes time, lots of time, to find out who she is, to heal her, to have a conversation, to grow her faith, to bless her. She is just as important to Jesus as the little girl is. And surely... Jairus is frustrated at how long this is taking, but perhaps, too, this, his hope starts rising again a bit, for he has seen all of this, 
And if it didn't dawn on him right then, it certainly dawns on us. Guess what? Desperation and the circumstances that cause it come to rich and poor alike, to the outcast and the in crowd alike. Desperate circumstances can happen to anyone. Anyone can be desperate for Jesus to save them. A 12-year-old dying rich girl and a 12-year-old sickness in a poor woman. They both spell the same thing, desperation. And Jesus ignites, he commends and grows the faith of both. Jesus reaches out to do both. His gracious love does not discriminate, and none of us is entitled to it. This little interruption in the story reminds us of that as we pause a moment to reflect on that. But here we are now, with Jairus ready to get moving again. Jairus, Jairus with, with rising hope, for surely Jairus saw all of this transpire. Surely he was inspired by the healing. Surely informed by it. Surely his faith and hope rose. You can imagine it, can't you? If he can heal, if he can heal the if he can heal the 12-year-old illness of this woman. Surely, if we get going now, he can heal my 12-year-old And then comes the news. Then comes the shock. Then comes the disappointment. Then comes the despair. People from Jairus' house have come. And Jairus sees it written on their faces. It's too late. She's gone. Jairus Growing flames of hope are instantly extinguished by four words. His growing faith falls worthless to the ground. Just four words. Your daughter is dead. And then the unfeeling, uncaring, five-word follow-up remark. Why bother the teacher anymore? Imagine Jairus. He is immediately defeated, stunned, tears, devastation, words he, he was just beginning to hope that he wouldn't have to hear, but it's too late. Now he's heard them. It has happened. But then, Jesus, with, with equal swiftness and speed, picks Jairus' faith up off the ground where it has fallen and is helpless and returns it to Jairus. We read there in verse 36, overhearing what they said, or another version says it, the Revised Standard Version, ignoring what they said, Jesus told Jairus, don't be afraid, don't fear, just believe. You see where Jesus is going with this. Jairus came to Jesus with a wish, a wishful belief that Jesus could heal his daughter. And surely that immature, tiny sprout of belief grew when Jairus saw what Jesus did for the woman who was bleeding, how he healed her. But now, you see what is happening. Jesus is challenging Jairus' faith to not only believe in him for a healing but believe in him for a resurrection. And Jairus surely did, for he follows Jesus, follows him along with that inner circle of disciples, Peter, James, and John, 
to his house. Jesus makes his way through the mourners, some of them perhaps even professional mourners already that people back then would hire out of respect for the dead. They professionally wailed for respect. Jesus tells them all, she's not dead. She's just asleep. And he's ridiculed for saying it. They laugh at him. They mock him for it. So Jesus puts them all outside. And I imagine that took a little convincing by Jesus and work to get them to leave. Go on. But once they are gone, Jesus takes only Jairus, his wife, and the three disciples, and Jesus goes into her room. And then with vivid clarity, Mark writes what Peter, one of the disciples, surely saw. Mark, some of you know this, in the, in the, is the gospel book that gives Peter's version of events. So Mark obviously heard the story from Peter, who was there as an eyewitness to it. And Peter remembered exactly what happened. Jesus took the little one by the hand, and he said, Talitha kum. They more than likely spoke Aramaic as their common language when they were together the language of that era, and so Mark gives us the original language it was spoken in. And he gives that to us with the meaning. Talitha kum, he tells us the translation, that means little girl, or even more literally, little lamb, I say to you, get up. Can you imagine it, friends? This little lamb, this little lamb, one moment her eyes cemented shut, her body gray, no pulse, no breaths left in her. Suddenly, there her eyes are fluttering open, wide open, seeing Jesus. Then looking over his shoulder, seeing her mother and her father, along with these flabbergasted disciples, she sees all of their mouths wide open in surprise, except Jesus, of course. This was a resurrection. Jesus, Jesus brought her, this little one, from death to life with the command of his voice, Talitha kum. It's no wonder Jesus so carefully picked up Jairus' faith that for a moment fell discarded to the ground. As if to say, you're going to need this, Jairus, because of what I'm going to do next. Don't be afraid, just believe. You'll see it with your own eyes. And Jairus did. What a gift. What a gift for this little lamb. What a gift for Jairus and his wife. What a gift for Jesus' three closest disciples. What a gift for the church of all ages. To read this, know this, trust this, believe this. What a gift for us. For a church. A congregation that has had over a number of months, even the last year, we've had many who have died. Many older, some younger, one much younger. And here it is, right here in the story, this true story about this little lamb, this little girl, and about the faith of her father, but mostly about what Jesus can do and did and will do. This story is a revelation for us. It's a revealing of what we will all one day experience 
when it becomes clear that our loved one is dying and when it becomes clear to each of us that we go unto death itself. To those watching the dying, watching someone dying and already beginning to grieve, Jesus tells us, don't be afraid, just believe. That's even if the prayers, the hopes, the wants, the pleading is not answered by God the way we want it to be in such astonishing array as here in this story. And we know that the hardest part is that often our prayers aren't answered in this astonishing way. But still, Jesus' words, don't be afraid, just believe. Those words are still the gospel truth. Those words are still the prelude to the sign, the wonder, the miracle of resurrection. We can still, in all truth, with all assurance, imagine a loved one's eyes fluttering open at the sound of his voice, Talitha Kum. Little girl, I say to you, get up. And we can imagine her seeing the face of the resurrected Jesus along with all the surrounding followers of him, the great cloud of witnesses that are the church triumphant in heaven. This story reveals that to all of us who have watched or will watch the dying and death of a loved one. And to those facing death, their own. Hoping, praying, wanting a miracle. A miracle they might not have in the exact way it's detailed here. But Jesus tells them too. Don't be afraid. Just believe. They are gospel words to hold on to. Words to listen to. Words to abide by, words to follow, words to do. I do believe, Jesus. Help my unbelief. And you too, no question about it, your eyes will flutter open at the sound of his voice. Talitha Kum, little lamb, I say to you, get up and you will see his face along with the surrounding church triumphant. This story reveals the sign, the wonder, the miracle of resurrection. It surely does. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Those words, this revelation, this story, the resurrection, all of it, our freedom from the fear of death and dying. Don't be afraid, just believe. As the Apostle Paul wrote in that great chapter about resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, he wrote, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. I wonder, beloved, 
if one of those 500 was the little lamb in this story, Jairus' daughter? And if so, I wonder if they shared a knowing smile together. But Paul continues, listen to what he says, the apostle. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Why? Because we're still enslaved to the fear of death, to the fear of dying. We're still enslaved and we're to be pitied. But then Paul says this, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Christ is the first fruits and we get to follow. When we die, we get to follow. Of course, this little one, this little girl, Jairus' daughter, she was an introduction, a preface, if you will, to the resurrection of the first fruits. Jesus, that's what we have here. This story points straight to Jesus. This proto-resurrection points straight to Jesus' resurrection. But Jesus' resurrection and the power displayed in it by God the Father, raising him from the dead. Jairus' daughter's resurrection points straight to Jesus' resurrection. But Jesus' resurrection was the one that made this little girl's resurrection, her first one in the story, possible. And surely, her second resurrection too. And so also ours and our loved ones. In fact, it makes possible the resurrection of all those who believe in Jesus, that he died on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead for our eternal life. It's the children's message writ large. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes, don't be afraid, just believe. Whoever believes in him shall not perish shall not die, but have eternal life. Jesus did that for us. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. Jesus was buried dead in the ground, and God raised Jesus to resurrection life. And he did that because he loves. That's who he is. And he even loves his unworthy children. He even loves his sinful little lambs. The freedom from the fear of death that we have starts right there with God loving us by sending Jesus to save us from our sins. To not just heal illness and raise the dead, but to heal us from our sin by dying himself in our place and raising us to life eternal by rising himself. He is the first fruits, and those who belong to him get to be the next, and the next, and the next. Those who belong to him. Those who believe in him. Resurrection is in store for all who believe in him. Do you want that, friends? Do you want resurrection for yourself? Do you want it? Don't be afraid. Just believe. Let us pray.
Our Father in heaven, thank you for the story of resurrection that points straight to Jesus' resurrection. And thank you that because of Jesus' resurrection and what he did three days before, dying for our sins, Jesus says to each one of us, don't be afraid, just believe. And that eternal life is ours. Thank you for this incredible, undeserved gift. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.